Hi, welcome to Forbes India's The Startup Fridays podcast. I'm Hari Arakali, tech editor at Forbes India. In these podcasts, we'll bring you conversations with entrepreneurs who are finding opportunities in solving a variety of problems in multiple areas, from agriculture and satellite imagery to digital finance and cryptocurrencies. We will also talk to investors from venture capital companies and other folks who are playing a significant role in India's maturing startup scene. You can find a new episode every Friday evening. You can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning. Stay safe and happy listening. Our guest today is Amit Gupta, co-founder and CEO of Yulu Bikes, an innovative urban mobility company trying to solve the problems of access, availability and affordability of transportation for millions. Gupta is a repeat entrepreneur having previously co-founded ad tech company Inmobi and even before that uh, Analytics Works, a business intelligence venture. Amit is also an active uh, angel investor in multiple startups in India and the US. He has an executive MBA from Harvard Business School and a degree in mechanical engineering from IIT Kanpur where he's a distinguished alumnus. Uh, Yulu's products are perhaps even more uh, relevant after the COVID pandemic and uh, Amit is here today to talk to us about uh, how. Amit, welcome to this conversation. Uh, really great to have you here with us this morning. Thanks, Ali, once again. A very good morning to you and all of all of uh, participants who are joining in today. Excellent. So, so for folks, of course, uh, Yulu has uh, a very large number of users today. Uh, and the, and the company is almost four years old. Uh, but pe- for people who are not very familiar with Yulu Bikes, uh, maybe you could start with just telling us a bit about uh, your work. How did you and uh, R.K. Mishra, Navin, and uh, Hemant, uh, how did you meet? How did you come to start this company? Yeah. So just before Yulu, I'd like to give a background what I was doing. So I was with Inmobi. And my office to home journey uh, used to take maybe seven to eight minutes when we move uh, from our EGL office to outer ring road office mm. uh, seven, eight years ago. And then, as you know, Bangalore has been on the boom. A uh, lot of people, a lot of companies and everyone is on the road. And things started to become very, very bad, especially on the traffic side. And almost every day, no meeting will start on time and people will be dropping in late. Half an hour, one hour, they will talk about that how worse the traffic was today. And uh, and I was also kind of turning 40 and I had a goal of uh, doing something else uh, and I thought that maybe this problem looks very big enough, so let me pick it up. So I decided to move on from uh, Inmobi where I was uh, running Glass uh, product at that point of time and then pinged some of my very dear friends. So just like Inmobi where co-founders uh, had history from schools. Same way, even in Yulu, uh, you know, all the co-founders know each other for a long time. So, R.K. Mishra is my school senior. He is IIT Kanpur, 10 years uh, elder to me, but I know him from 18 years. Naveen is my batchmate. I know him from, like, like all my life. Hemant is my childhood friend. Uh, he was living in Amsterdam. So, in a matter of uh, almost four weeks, I was able to uh, excite them about this Yulu vision and they came from different different spheres of life. So Naveen moved from US, Heyman moved from Amsterdam and RK. Uh, already, you know, he was like uh, into a sannyas uh, 
from corporate life. But then I was able to put him back and he was very excited to be part of this team. What was the uh, problem that you all were looking to address uh, and uh, what was the opportunity you saw over there when you started? Yeah, so when we look at India, so India is a very unique market unlike western world where everyone has a car. In India, to start with, uh, only 20% people have their own personal vehicle. And uh, uh, we believe that uh, globally, the narrative of mobility is not anyway moving to personal mobility. It is moving towards mobility as a service. And we thought that uh, while there's a mobility as a service led by the cab hailing company, but the choice of product is probably not the right one. Because first of all, we don't have road space to obtain car. Also, we don't have financial uh, strength as a, as a country uh, where people can spend two, three hundred rupees per day on their office commute. So we realize that you know, there is an opportunity for someone to build a large mobility as a service platform using two wheelers, which is a small form factor. And to make things better, we said, okay, what, what, what about uh, you know we also take off the driver uh, to make things further cheaper for that consumer. So. Western world talks about autonomous cars without driver. We think that in our country, um, a person who can ride their own two-wheeler, uh, provided this is mobility as a service, it can probably uh, tick all of the boxes. And we started our journey with bicycles because bicycle has been a mascot of affordable transportation. But unfortunately, that was not a huge success, particularly for use cases more than two kilometers. And then we started working towards electric mobility where we believed that uh, uh, you know, if we are worried about traffic and pollution both, we should not do petrol scooters. We should rather innovate uh, something on the electric mobility side. And that's how Yulu Miracle, the product which you see on the road, was born. And uh, we have been pretty successful in building a purpose-built vehicle uh, which fits some of the boxes for shared mobility to happen in the country. Hmm. Uh, you you talk about uh, accessibility, availability, and uh, affordability. Uh, I, I looked it up on your website. Uh, explain to us uh, how these factors are at the heart of what is needed uh, for India's urban transportation. Yeah, very good point. So this 3A of mobility is a very old uh, principle. It's actually a timeless principle, I would say. You can always create a product which is highly available, which is your own vehicle, but it may not be, uh, aff you know, uh, affordable. It is accessible because it sits in your garage, but it may not be affordable for many people. If you talk in the context of India, the price point, availability, and accessibility, everything actually makes sense. Let me talk about the example of let's say Uber, which is reasonably accessible. It comes and picks you up from your home. I think affordability-wise, maybe it is okay or not okay for 95% people. But at the office hour when you need it, most of the cars are not available. So that's where the solution basically has some compromise. What Yulu is doing, first of all, what we have done on the affordability side, we are using this smallest possible vehicle running on electric energy, which makes things very, very affordable. In fact, Yulu is cheaper than even auto rickshaw from a per kilometer basis by 50%. So we are the cheapest form of transportation in urban India. From an accessibility perspective, we basically have taken an approach where we have been able to create
create what we call new zone at every possible building wherever we are operating. So while our promise unfortunately is not that we will give you a city-wide coverage, but we say that okay, if we are in your in in your neighborhood, we will make sure that you are never away from a new zone by you know uh, you don't have to walk for more than 125 meters. And most of the time there is a new zone in your building, and certainly your office and your metro and your buses. So we have been able to work with the governments, private entities, and RWAs who have given us these spaces. So that's how we are taking the box of the accessibility side. Availability, uh, you know, at least as I said that we are, because we are running our business only in select areas, so we have created a density. So while we are not, as I said, that we are catering to the, you know, need of everyone in the city, but wherever we are present, we are making sure that there's availability for most of our users. And the moment we get more vehicles, we will keep on adding more and more vehicles and more and more pin codes in our service area. So our approach uh, seems is this Lego block approach. So wherever we go, we, we tick all of the boxes, and then we basically keep on creating those micro markets in the entire city. And over next two to three years, we should be able to create a service network for everyone in the city who requires a public mode of commute uh, for their daily purpose. Mm. Over the last uh, 18 months, uh, what has been the experience? Uh, what did uh, COVID do to uh, your operations, the demand for your uh, products? Yeah, I would say that our world has changed dramatically and I think it is true for everyone. Uh, particularly in the case of mobility, a uh, lot of companies actually were severely impacted because most of the companies were catering to the use case of uh, either travelers, so people are not traveling a lot, or they are, and travelers I mean basically they are going out of town, and then uh, certainly there's a concept of going to office. Both of them are badly hit. But in the case of Yulu, our, before Corona, our primary target audience was daily uh, commuters who are white collar people, they were using Yulu to go to office, and uh, when uh, Corona happened, our business went to zero. So we had absolutely no business at all. But then after the lockdowns were lifted, uh, we started seeing that the traffic is back on the road, but not the same people, because those people were allowed to, or they were enabled to work from home. And uh, we had two choices. Choice was that let's wait for these office goers to come back. And the second choice was there were so many people on the road. Who are these guys? What are they doing? And it was very easy for one for us to know that there is a large section of society in our country who actually have to go to their factory, to their shop, to their XYZ to basically earn their livelihood. And we basically realized that need and then quickly identified that we need to create Yulu zones at those factory areas, those areas where these people are living. And then from white collar teaching, we were able to expand our, our user base to gray collar, blue collar, students, people who necessarily have to be out and they needed safer mobility solution. And we were able to grow our monthly active user by 70% in this journey by getting to that. And interestingly, the white collar guys uh, also started coming back, but their use case was not going to office, but going to grocery store. Sometimes just for fun because they have so much of fatigue sitting in there in front of their PCs. So we started seeing some uses from that. And one interesting 
use case which also started to emerge for YouTubers that many of our bikes started to get used for last mile delivery for goods, particularly food and medicines. And so the company where we started off our journey with moving people, we also started seeing approximately 5 to 10% of our bikes being used for moving goods. And this is where we actually tasted blood with uh, a new business opportunity altogether where people who are actually gig workers, uh, they do not have their own vehicle, many of them don't have license. And this is where we actually hit the sweet spot, where Yulu vehicles, uh, they are very, very good for a five to seven kilometer journey. They basically move in a typical neighborhood. And then they are also basically do not have vehicle and they come and take Yulu, they deliver food, medicines, and anything which can happen in the hyper-local community. And they've started earning a lot of money are using Euro and thanks to petrol prices which is thanks to the Euro's contest not in the larger scheme of things uh, we basically became much more affordable than any mode of you know uh, of, of vehicles which is running on petrol so the intersection of affordability for big worker led by high petrol price and then even the, the, the fact that many of them do not have any vehicle uh, and then coupled with the fact they also do not have maybe any driving license. So we became a uh, product. Just for your reference, just like personal mobility, only 20% people in India have their own vehicle. The driving license ownership is also very, very low in our country. So that number is also below 20% just for your reference. And to make things worse for people who are not having driving license, uh, you know, the traffic fines, as you know, has, has shot up. And uh, you know, the police department has strict mandate to catch people who are driving uh, scooters and they don't have driving license. So that made things difficult for them to, uh, not, you know, uh, illegally, you know, driving and in the scooter. So being on Euro ticks all of the boxes for them. So it is uh, not only uh, affordable but also it is legally compliant, and uh, they are basically making livelihood uh, at the toughest time of uh, their lives. If you step back and look at. Uh the urban transportation ecosystem in India. Uh, what, are you, what are your views on how it is evolving in the post-COVID uh, scenario? So, if I talk about the big picture, and I'll come to the Corona part in a moment. See, big picture is most of the big cities, they're all implementing public transportation in a big map. So, as you can imagine, uh, you know, the metro, is now has taken a central stage from a strategy perspective for urban community. So there are more than 35 plus cities in India uh, which have a sizable scale of people. They all have got metro. And all of these guys, uh, you know, they need some reliable first mile, last mile. So Delhi, for, your, for, for example, it has got 10 metro lines, more than 350 kilometers of network of metro. And on an average, the distance of first mile and last mile is five and three kilometers respectively. So if millions of people are using metro or local rail in the context of let's say Mumbai, how do they reach there in a in a safe manner, convenient manner, and affordable manner? And we have a very, very good answer for that. And we think that uh, our cities should be running on buses, on metro, and we would like service are complementing to that mobility on a day on a day to day basis. Now, particularly during the Corona time, uh, where the usage of public transportation as all of us know has come down, we are kind of again enabling a lot of people to still be on Euro. And uh, uh, because our service does not require a driver or a co-passenger, 
euro became the safest way to move around. So while overall top of the funnel has shrunk from people moving out, but at the same time we have gained disproportionate share from other modes of mobility, which were all group mobility. So there is a zero risk of infection from Corona. So we think that we are serving a very peculiar need of the cities of moving people for whatsoever reason, even in the time of Corona. So we are very relevant during Corona time and certainly super relevant when world goes towards normalcy, where people will start to use buses, carpools and, and metros, where we just become a complementary way for them to get to uh, the metro station, etc. from their home uh, and, and to metro station, metro station to office. So this is how we look at our role in the pre-pandemic, during pandemic and post-pandemic world. Hmm. You know, uh, you, you've also developed a lot of uh, technology, both on the app front and on the uh, back end. And, uh, and you talk about uh, Miracle being an IoT connected uh, vehicle. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the important tech that you've developed over the years. Certainly. So since we are talking about a vehicle not given to you on an individual basis, it is being given to you when you are riding. So there are a lot of things which you have to develop to make that happen. So first of all, in our case, not only a user does not require to talk to anyone, they're just able to locate a bike, they go scan it, bike is yours, you ride it, you drop it, you pay for it. All of it actually happens by someone looking at you from the cloud uh, that if you are complying with our policy, vehicle is working or not. And to, to all of that is a combination of a hardware stack, uh, which is in the form of an IoT, which makes a typical bike a smart bike. So that is sitting on the vehicle. And then there is a lot of intelligence which is sitting in the form of a sensor, so which is enabling you to do what you do without talking to an individual. Everything happens in a DIY manner. And after that, there is a lot of software stack, uh, particularly in our case, like uh, when you let's say call it Uber and Ola. So you click a button, the guy comes to you, pick you up and go. In our case, we are ensuring that the availability is there at the right place at the right time, keeping up a promise with 3A. It happens on entirely on AI. We basically look at the data, our usage pattern uh, for last many weeks and, 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 and years. And because of that, we know that the building number A should have these many or these many rides expected during this time of the day. And hence, we should have Y number of bikes at that point of the day. So we look at the projected demand and supply and wherever we have a gap, we have a way to pick up the extra bike from that area and drop it to those areas where we think that the, the opposite is true. Unlike Uber and Ola where the supply or the vehicle comes to you, we basically only rely on what happened in the past. And that is how the importance of the quality of the data, importance of the algorithms which are always churning more and more insights where we are actually using deep tech uh, very, you know, in a very interesting manner, using machine learning, artificial intelligence to predict that what's going to happen. And if we are closer to what happens next, as a company, we have done well. So this is on the demand side. But even more importantly, what happens in making sure that our vehicles are in good shape, they are charged, we are also using some very interesting pieces of technology. Where today we are able to predict that 
this bike is going to be running out of charge when it will be reaching here and hence there is a task being created for my field worker to go and swap the battery so everything happens in unison and all of it is basically controlled by a common pool of data our ability to bring operational efficiency using technology is very very high. so all of that stack has been built from downs up uh, from our ulus own team in fact we have not only developed the bike but we also have our own ip on the charging station uh, which we have been able to place them at moment pop store it's a beautiful product works very well very frugal the battery pack and the the battery management system we call pms this is also by the way designed by ulu in the context of india uh, unfortunately none of it was present when ulu started that's why our journey was longer uh, but we think that someone has to build it so back then it was pretty bold of ulu to decide that in 2018 that we we should do electric mobility and when we looked around there was no solution of scooter charging station battery uh, everything was not there but we took the hard way of building all of this and we are very glad that you know, we have been able to uh, get a very nice ecosystem that is working for ulu as we speak right now hmm. Uh, you did mention that uh, your scooter is compliant uh, with Indian rules, where people don't need a license to drive it. So, tell us a bit more about the design uh, of uh, Miracle and kind of how you arrived at it. Certainly. So, uh, Hari, I don't know. Uh, you know, if you remember me when we were very very young, uh, we used to have uh, this 35 cc product, mm. uh, which does not require uh, a license or a helmet. Um, and registration, but when world moved to electric mobility, so government of India created this class of vehicle. So you know, in India, there's something called homologation done by agencies like ICAT, ARAI, and they created a class of vehicle where if the speed is below 25 km per hour, and there's also a specification on the weight and the motor, it it classifies as a bicycle. It's called NMT, by the way, non-motorized transportation. And we saw that you know this is a very very good product because this is taking a lot of boxes for you know low vehicle ownership, low ownership of driving license, you know, and everyone practically in our country knows how to ride a bicycle. So we created a product which is as easy as riding a bicycle, as simple as that. And to make things uh, also sharing friendly, we basically created uh, the product in a manner where there is lesser use of plastic. So, for example, if, if we talk about Ulu Miracle, there are almost 48 components. Only three of them are uh, uh, are plastic. Everything else is metal. In fact, you throw it and you just put it under the rain, under the sun. Uh, it just keeps on smiling because it is created for that kind of environment. Mm. And it was not there. So that's where you know our wisdom of how the shared mobility works in the context of India uh, was very important. We have done five versions of Ulu Miracle. So now we have a second generation Ulu Miracle, by the way, uh, which we have been trying uh, with customers. Our next, uh, you know, close to 40 to 50,000 vehicles are going to be our generation two product. And then, you know, sometime next year, uh, a version which will be built by Bajaj, which is our Miracle generation three will come. And that will probably be one of the best vehicle available in the world. And it is not happening overnight. It is happening because now we have understood the nitty gritties that how to prevent it from being stolen, 
being broken, how to provide maximum comfort, durability, safety, all of these elements are being coming together. And uh, Bajaj basically they know how to make a great two-wheeler, but Yulu also knows, understands that how to make it sharing friendly. And that's why this is kind of the perfect match, uh, you know, creating a great product uh, for shared mobility purpose. Give us a sense of uh, the scale of your operations today and uh, where you want to get to in the next year. Certainly. So we are currently having 10,000 EVs on the road and that number actually makes Yudu as the largest electric mobility company in the country. But sometimes I laugh at myself and we actually laugh at our team. The 10,000 is actually just an error. A country where we have 20 million two-wheelers being sold every year. Uh, and we are talking about like 10,000 as, as the largest electric mobility companies. This is not right. But why this number is so small? Because we were solving a lot of operational issues, product issues. And now we have gone through that. We are ready for a kind of in a running mode and a flying mode. So over next six to nine months, we are taking this number to 50,000 on a conservative basis. And in next two years, we should be at least 25x of our current number mm. uh, and that's the projection what we are working towards. We have uh, a very high quality first party data where if when we get these vehicles where we need to fit, put them at precise as a landlocked level. So we know this Yulu zone, we should be adding 5 more bikes or 10 more bikes. This area we should put Yulu zone or this area where we are not catering, we should start Yulu service. For example, if I talk about Mumbai, the present only media called BKC. And you can see that it's absolutely all open. The, the city runs on local rail, uh, local train. Everyone needs a first mile, last mile. Same thing is true for Bangalore, where we are covering almost 40% of the serviceable area. So we have 60% more elasticity. Uh, Delhi is no different. So if we just talk about even the big cities, uh, we have close to half a million vehicle deployment opportunity over next three to five years. And if you just talk about India, uh, the numbers are humongous, you know, every number is very, very, very big. And this is just a people mobility. The moment you add the goods mobility, just to give you a sense, even there we're talking about approximately one million big worker uh, being out there. And this number is expected to become 10 million big uh, worker over next three to five years. We think that the product what we got is a perfect uh, product market fit for them. And uh, currently, uh, while the number are very small, so we have maybe two to three thousand uh, outdoor workers who are using Yulu on a, on a given day. This number has a huge scope. We are supply constrained, so we are bringing a new product uh, purely for the last mile delivery purpose, which will be used exclusively by the workers, which are will give give them a little bit more productivity plus lesser fatigue. So we have added a carrier. It's actually very well designed product. And we are doing pilot as we speak and once we are done with the pilot, uh, we will scale that number also to a very, very large number. So we think that over the next three to four years, you should have close to a million vehicles, both of these vehicles put together across seven to ten cities in India. So that's the number we are chasing. Mm. Uh, you have yourself raised, uh, I think, uh, close to $20 million, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so, and uh, I mean, globally, I mean, in markets like US, for example, I mean, people like uh, Chris Saka, 
come to mind, you know, and he's come back and he's raised a fund for what he calls the climate change uh, economy. Uh, what is your uh, uh, experience thinking in terms of this whole uh, sustainability-driven uh, economy in India? I mean, if you look at e-commerce, billions of dollars from investors has transformed the scene in India. Do you think that kind of a thing can happen with uh, companies looking to tackle climate change in India? So first of all, I think uh, there's a lot of excitement about climate change funds, sustainability funds. You basically they are different different names, but the objective is save that save the world, uh, you know, save the planet. Uh, good news is uh, the pool is now very sizable. It's very big. The bad news is uh, the allocation for India is still not there. Mm. So you know, I think uh, if if I am running this company in the US. Uh, or Europe, uh, we will have a finite pool of capital just given to us on a platter. Mm. In India, because of whatsoever reasons, I think we are still not there. And we believe that the situation will change over the next couple of years mm. because ultimately, uh, Indian government is also making uh, some policy changes. They are also creating some pool of capital to support companies like us. Now, as far as the requirement of money what you has got, uh, we actually don't want to raise a lot of equity capital. We actually want to raise a lot of debt, uh, and the reason being that uh, you know many companies in the past they were in the vicious cycle of needing a lot of equity capital because they never made their business model profitable. So Ofo, Mobike, Line, but you basically name it. There are a lot of global counterpart. They basically created a hype cycle and they kept on raising a lot of venture capital money. And when things were not going right, they all collapsed because. You know, you can only raise that much of venture capital money on the equity side. What Yulu is doing, we chose to raise very small sum. So till date, our equity fund raise actually has been around twenty-two point five million dollar, and we think that uh, you know we probably will raise another thirty forty million more dollar uh, just to get things into motion. But our our requirement of equity capital is not in hundreds of millions. We actually need hundreds of millions of dollars in debt capital and that's what we are working towards so as a company towards end of this financial year we want to be a profitable company operationally so that uh, we actually can raise a lot of debt uh, to scale this business and the good news is this whole sustainability linked fund they are not only giving you the, the, the debt funding but many of them are also interested in giving a high scale debt funding as well mm. government of india is also looking at uh, creating a pool because for EV one of the big challenges is the availability of debt capital is not coming on, on basically easy terms because this vehicle they don't know what is the resale value and they have a lot of questions in their head but we are now breaking this up at the at the highest level so Niti Aayog for example has been championed this cause uh, several ministries are also watching us. See, from a country's perspective, we all know that we have ambitious goal to move, you know, uh, mobility to electric. And this is not going to happen by cars becoming electric. It will happen by two-wheelers becoming electric first. And even there, we believe that mobility as a service player like you do, where we run our service not on the upfront cost, our narrative is the TCO, which is total cost of ownership. And as you know, that TCO for electric mobility is is far better and cheaper than the petrol counterpart. So for us, 
it makes absolutely financial sense to run our service on electric mobility from day one, which basically makes a very good use case. And only problem mm-hmm. that we have to solve for this is that can we get a large pool of debt capital, which is not coming on a very difficult terms, where they are demanding personal guarantee of promoters or some very stupid terms. We just want that, okay, can this loan be given on the asset goodness? And then we have some cushion of the equity capital sitting in the bank, and then we can create a large scale business on top of it. So we have been, by the way, requesting to, to the government of India, policymakers, and we think that if not this year, maybe sometime next year, uh, things will start to happen. And in the meantime, we basically have a uh, you know, bunch of money being offered to us on, on venture tech mode which comes a little bit expensive, but I think it is okay for us to at least prime the market. And this is what we are actually exactly doing from a business plan perspective. Hmm. Fantastic. We have more or less run out of time, so I guess we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Amit, uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was uh, fantastic to have you with us. And we hope to keep the conversation going. Thanks, Terry. It's a pleasure. And uh, congratulations to you to start this new age channel. <laughs> I truly enjoyed uh, talking to you on this channel. So that was Amit Gupta, uh, co-founder and CEO of uh, Ulu Bikes, uh, doing a really uh, commendable work uh, with his electric scooters, Ulu Miracle. That's it for this week's uh, Startup Fridays. Uh, next week, I'll be back with another entrepreneur. Uh, until then, uh, wherever you're, uh, you're listening to us, uh, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. Have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend ahead. Thank you for joining us.